you got to enjoy life. You know, we're not supposed we're we're not supposed to go quietly into that box in the dirt. You're supposed to slide in on a motorcycle, going, man, that was a hell of a fucking ride. And you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on in this country right now. You know, nobody's happy with Biden and Kamal. I don't blame them. Um, a lot of people, I think, even liberals are missing mean tweets and dollar eighty seven gas. I know I am. Um, people talk about civil war and you know this stuff, but I want you. I want if I can leave you with one thought is you know what the politicians and the elite of this country really really are afraid of is black, white, red, and yellow getting together and standing up for each other. So if we can stand up, you know, and there were probably some people that got pissed when I said, you know, I don't put labels on people, African-American, you know, I don't, we're people, we all bleed red. I've seen black people shot, Mexican shot, Asian shot, white people shot. All the blood I've seen come out of them is red. Still red. You know? I've never seen an Asian man bleed yellow, and I've never seen a black man bleed black. So get over yourselves. You're not special just because you might have different skin color. And pull your, just get your shit together, America. I'm tired of it. You know, if there ever is a civil war, I'll go out, go out covered in somebody's blood, screaming just like it came into this world. I got no problems with that. You know. Defend what's yours. Stand up for what's right. You know, don't... Most of all, don't let the man get you down. And listen to More Grateful Dead. You'll be a lot happier. This is the JAR Podcast, where real people have real conversations. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the JAR I hope you're making the most of your today. I'm here again in Great Falls, Montana, sitting down with Steve Vandersheldon, and he's got a really interesting story. Like so many of the guests, complicated background, complicated life, uh, but sitting here with him this morning, he's such a together person and such a real person, and and I think a, a great personality. Sitting in his in his apartment here. Sitting in the den in the in the man in the man space, and, and I really look forward to Steve to getting to know you through the jar, and sharing your story with the audience. Why don't you go ahead and you know spend a few minutes and introduce yourself? Oh, uh, thanks, Ken. Uh, let's see. What can I tell you about myself, really? Except uh, I'm a born and raised liberal turned conservative. I get I'm what you call a conservative hippie. We do exist, Bill Maher. Um. Small town, north central Washington. Grew up in the 70s. Probably, I think, the best time to be alive. We had the best music, best cars, best looking women. Fuck those millennials. Anyway, um, I'm 60, grandfather five, living the dream here in Montana. So, that's pretty much my, that's pretty much Steve in a nutshell, really. That's Steve in a nutshell. Um Let's get started. Okay, great, because I'm better at answering questions than talking about myself. Yeah, let's let's get started. Sure. Why don't you go ahead and pull any question? Reach deep, reach shallow, no let's cheating, reach, no let's looking. Let's reach all the way in there. Um, and again, have a look at it. If you like it, pass it over. We'll read it. It'll give you a minute. 
and away we go. I kind of like that one. All righty, here we go, right into it. What's the cost of not forgiving? Not forgiving. You know, I used to be one of those people that always thought that, you know, I don't forgive and forget. I don't have Alzheimer's and I'm not Jesus Christ. So I think the cost of not forgiving really is you lose your peace of mind. You know, it doesn't really, it, you can hurt me physically, you can hurt me mentally, you can hurt me emotionally. And I can forgive you for that, but it doesn't mean I have to forget it. Mm. And I won't. Turnabout's fair play. I mean, karma, uh, my dad used to say, my dad used to get it wrong and say, karma's a dish best served cold. And <laughs> I think it was supposed to be karma's really a cold bitch, but somewhere in there. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's, you know, cost of not forgiving. I mean, how can you, it's, it's easy to forgive a grandkid. It's easy to forgive a family member, but it's, it's harder to forgive somebody that's uh -huh. hurt you maybe emotionally. Yeah. Physically, you get over scars heal. You know, pain heals, but emotional scars don't so much. And I think that's where forgiveness comes in. If you don't, if you don't, for, if you don't forgive the person who gave you the emotional scars, yes. it's just going to affect you the rest of your life, and you're going to screw yourself over eventually. Yeah, I, I I feel it. That's my answer for that one. Really, let's keep going because that was that was all right. Do I, yeah, keep that. Let's keep it out. You put it anywhere. Yeah, right. set them down there. All right, let's yeah. find another one here. Ooh, a long one. This one. Okay, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I like that one. Oh, yeah, this is great, especially your place in life. Is your heart more open now than when you were younger, or is it more closed? Wow, yeah, um, I think that's a fine line, because... By the time my first grandson, grandkid was born in 2000, in November of 2005, well, so many years ago, um, I, I was pretty much cold-hearted. Pretty much a cold-hearted SOB, really. Most people would have told you. Mm. Um, and then holding him for the first time, I felt my heart, you know, and then his heart grew two sizes, and he died of a heart attack. No, um... I think that at the time, when my grandkids were born, my heart was more open. But as I've seen the, the way the world's going now, I think towards people that aren't family or close friends or in my circle or my tribe, I'm more cold-hearted. I really, I really have. Hmm. I try not to project that I don't give a fuck attitude. But on the other hand, you know, don't cross me. Don't tell me you're going to take my guns. Don't push. Don't try to separate me and my friends of other colors and other nationalities by making us hate each other. You know, I'm, I'm becoming more close-hearted because I see the the world is interesting. You, yeah, I think you got to. I think you got to be. Like I said, it's a fine line, but you got to be more. You got to be careful now with your heart. You got to be careful with. How you live your life, if you're not politically correct, they're going to cancel you. If you're a Second Amendment enthusiast, which I am, they're going to cancel you. Hmm. Um, 
And that just makes people's hearts harden, I think. Interesting. Life doesn't come with a rule book and doesn't come with an, 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 uh, an instruction manual. Life's a blood sport. It really I, is. And if, you can, if you're afraid of a little blood, you might as well check out now. And we're getting the, the world's heart is closing more. Maybe not mine so much. Maybe not my kids. Maybe not um, the guy down the street. But the world in general is getting hard hearted and cold. Interesting. And how do you, you know, I don't like the legacy that I'm leaving for my grandkids and what possibly could be my great grandkids. I don't like the legacy that the world is leaving for the world I'd agree is with leaving that. for them. Yeah. You I know. Um, I'm sorry if I'm sorry that um, you grew up in a third world shithole or I'm sorry I get I get tired of this. I'm sorry you grew up in the ghetto. I have no I've got no sympathy for anybody that grows up in the inner city or the inner or the housing developments mm. in Chicago or New York or anywhere else. You can pull yourself out. Denzel Washington says it. you can pull yourself out. It doesn't matter what color you are. So, yeah, the world's a hard place. And our hearts are hardening. Life's a contact sport is also my one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. So it's funny you call it a blood sport. Same same for yeah. me. It's it's contact sport. Let's keep going. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> if that's a number two, I can't wait for number ten. What's the sweetest thing anyone has done for you? Oh, sorry yeah, about that. I wasn't supposed right. to read that. Yeah, that's a great question. What is the sweetest thing anyone has done for you? Gave me hmm. grandkids. You know, um, yeah. Gave me grandkids, my daughter-in-law and my daughter. They were kind enough to give me people that I can influence in the wrong way, um, get in trouble with. You know, grandparents, the reason I, the reason grandparents are exist, as far as I'm concerned, is to get their grandkids in levels of trouble that their parents never got into. <laughs> to show them the way. Exactly. To show them the way. So, the yeah, how. that would be, you know, that would have, yeah, grandkids. I'd agree. Even for me too, the sweetest thing I've got is you know the grant is my daughter's that gift. Yeah. Um, but we're part of that gift, right? Yeah. So you know, the, I'm a the, boomer. So the real gift is the grandkids. Yeah, the real gift is that is the grandkids. I mean, I loved what I, I was a single father of two teenagers when my second wife and I, their stepmom, divorced, and I was buried. I fuck. A 13-year-old boy and a 16-year-old girl? What the hell am I... How the... Yeah. I... It's like nailing jello to a, a tree. <laughs> that's know, a visual. I gotta, I that's gotta, a visual. I, intent, I, I purposely... When my kids were teenagers, I purposely went out and got a dog so I'd have somebody at home to fucking talk to. <laughs> you know, so... Oh. Yeah, grandkids. I love it. They're, they're the best thing in the world. Doesn't matter how shitty of a day I'm having. It doesn't matter how many people I want to go beat up or you know who I want to shoot. It it that doesn't matter if I'm having a shitty day. All they all I got to do is get one smile from that little girl or one of those boys, and I forget about just crush your soul, right? Yeah, yeah, it turns you into Jello. It's just yeah, it's it, it's <clears throat> as good a high as smoking a joint a good bud. Oh, let's keep going. All right, these are great. All right, let's see here. What do we got? Oh. Okay, this will be interesting. Was daily prayer part of your childhood? Praying mom didn't catch me and hit me upside the head. <laughs> no, we, you know, my parents weren't, my parents weren't really that, weren't religious. And um, I'm not into the organized religion. 
I, I always like that saying, you know, um, religion is for people afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people that have already been there. Oh, I never heard that before. And I don't, I don't cotton to organized religions. I'm more of a witchcraft person. Nature. You know, I can, I can prove my God exists. Can you? Type thing. Um, nothing, against, nothing against Christians, but, you know, okay, we just got over Easter weekend. Yes, yeah. What does the resurrection of their of, of their of Christ have to do with chocolate bunnies and eggs? That was a pagan holiday. That was a pagan holiday to start to show you know spring renewal, the renewal the renewal of things. That was yes, okay. You know they stole all their holidays from the pagans, and then I don't seem to recall Christ ever saying go out and make Baptists, Catholics, Adventists, Pentecostals. I thought he said something about go out and carry the good news of my coming. Until the good news mm -hmm. of my coming, he didn't say, "Go out and give everybody a fucking chocolate bunny," and he didn't tell, and he sure as hell didn't tell Joel Olstein that you need a Ferrari and a fifty-six thousand square foot mansion, <laughs> dude, and you shouldn't have to pay taxes, and that's how you're going to get it because you're not going to have to pay taxes. That's how you're going to get it. What the fuck? Joel's a special case, isn't he? You know what well, I mean? In a way, not a special case. In a way, he is one there, example. There's, of there's many. been three. I, I think there's been three religious leaders maybe four over the history of the world that I've had respect for. Oh, who are they? Billy Graham, Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, and Madhama, Ga Madhama Gandhi. Or Interesting. Whatever, yeah, yeah, you know, Gandhi, yeah, Gandhi. Gandhi. Not Gandhi, <clears throat> Gandhi. Yeah, that, and that's it. Mother Teresa was humble. She gave up everything. She wasn't rich. The Dalai Lama... When I saw him say, well, you know, it would only be if, if somebody was chasing me, shooting, chasing you, shooting with a, a gun, it would only be, you know, normal for you to take a gun and shoot back. You know, and Gandhi, I mean, yeah, and Billy Graham. Yeah, why Billy Graham? Billy Graham would probably be the only Christian I would trust because he really lived it. He believed it. He lived it. He was humble. He had a small brick house he didn't go to austin yes yeah lengths. and same with his son franklin i never saw billy graham in a fucking ferrari no he didn't but one. joel olstein owns a three hundred fifty-five thousand dollar one now how did joel get that well gee joel doesn't pay taxes he runs everything through his church like a shell company joel if you ever listen to this dude <laughs> you're no worse you're no worse than bernie you're no better than bernie madoff man worse Worse. I mean, at least, at least Bernie sold. Organized religion is a scam. If it wasn't a scam, those big churches would be paying taxes. Not the little guys like here. Yeah, yeah. You know, but why isn't Joel Olstein? Why is it? Kenneth Copeland has four airplanes. Yeah, we should call those people out, right? Yeah, they, they need to pay taxes. And just account for the money. Yeah. Even beginning. Hey, Joel, where's all the money going? Why haven't you? Um, jo hey, Joel, why... Um, why was the Mormon relief mission the first people to hit Louisiana hit when Katrina happened and not you? You're closer. Yeah, I remember. What did you do, Joel? What did you do for what did you do for the residents in, of New Orleans, Joel? Oh, you prayed for them? Right. I'm sure God was listening. Not for him. Maybe not from him. Yeah. Let's keep going. All right. I love it. Let's see. <laughs> Joel. Special case, that guy. Yeah. I like the Billy Graham analogy. Um, 
idea, right? It was a pretty, he really did live it. Yeah, he did. He really he did. did live it. He and did. wore it on his sleeve. Do you let your past get in the way or slow you down your growth for tomorrow? <laughs> I think I'm done growing. Um, no, we're never done growing, but no, my past is pretty checkered. When you when you look at it, um, prison at 19, um, lost a wife after five months of marriage after I got out of prison. Um, nah. You know, my friends that are friends of Bill W., have a saying, if you've got one foot in yesterday, one foot in tomorrow, you're pissing all over today. And the past is the past. I can't change it. Hmm. The question is, did I learn from it? That's, that's you know, I, I see this, some of these posts on Facebook. Would you go back to high school again? Fuck no. Do I want to live through that? <laughs> Why would I do that? Do I want to live through that fucking embarrassment again? No. Oh. Not even. I had a good time. But, but no, but no, you know, um, but I want to go back to prison again. Oh, hell no. That would um, be a no for me. Do I want to go back to anything? For, no, no, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I, I, I made peace with my demons. We still get together and frolic once in a while, but I made peace with my demons. Um, I, I learn from my, I try to learn from my past. I try not, and I try not to repeat it, but I don't live in it either. Let's keep going. Beautiful words. Uh, let's dig, let's dig deep into this thing. We'll do the, like, uh, it's somewhere. Yeah. Like Drew, Drew Carey pulling out those. Oh, yeah. From the hat. I you forgot. Maybe, you know, I forgot about those. That was a great. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah, that's a good one. After all that. <laughs> yeah. After all that, somebody was listening, and they and they in that one. Tell me the tell me the universe has a sense of humor. The universe has got a sense of humor. So, Steve, where is God then? <laughs> where is God? Uh, God? That is too funny. You know, that's like asking, "Is God dead?" I don't know. You know, I revert back to my friends at Bill W. Again, my friends that are friends of Bill W. You know, higher powers they understand him. Um, if I listened to what little religious background and upbringing I did have. I would say the standard God is all around us. Um, and then again, I'm I'm not a fan. I I don't believe there's a there's an omnipotent om, om, omnipresent omnipotent guy with a big white beard and long flowing white hair that looks kind of like Jerry Garcia up there controlling things you know okay. um, i'm more of a the universe we're all made of stardust and atoms and we're all part of the universe and i think we all go back to that when we leave here um i read a really great book once the life of the the life and times of billy of billy three fingers something like that by annie kagan okay about this guy who her brother dies and he was sketchy kind of a criminal, low-life criminal. And um, he comes back to explain to her, and she this is based supposedly based on a true story, that her brother comes back and, ex and starts explaining things to her 
about how the universe actually works. And it's, it's kind of changed, kind of changed my perspective a little bit. I've never been one of the, the pearly gaze people. I don't see, I, I, I just don't buy that. And yeah. I, I look at, I, I think hell was made up. This is my belief. Maybe people don't believe this, but this is how yeah. I look at it. Well, that's why we're here. I, I personally think hell was made up by the religious people to help keep their minions and sheep in line. If you don't do this, you're going to go to this ultimate pit of fire and you're going to burn for eternity. And there's going to be this guy with red, this red guy that is a cast out angel and he's got horns and he's going to torture you forever. I don't buy that shit. I just don't as a kind of a as a practitioner of witchcraft. I don't believe in hell and I don't believe in the Christian devil. I believe hell is, we, we make our own hell, hell and hell carry it around with us. Yeah. So where is God? Honestly, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, what I tried living his way when I was married to my second wife, and I was home. I'd like to think I was humble. I was giving, I was, yeah. you know, nurturing, I tithed and all that crap. What did it get me? It got me a fucking divorce. You know, so as Janet Jackson would say, God, what have you done for me lately? Because it's a two way street, buddy. You know, you don't get something for nothing. And I don't believe in this, like I said, this guy pulling my strings, you know, make, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, and it's not because I don't have an imagination or can't understand the concept. It's that I just don't believe in it. Where's God? I don't give a fuck. Next question. I love it. Real people, real conversations. You know, we don't, there's, this is the idea, you know, is to find Although there's a lot of, you might have a lot of different opinions. There'd be a lot of things you say that people totally understand and totally align with. Well, so as this my is friends great. Would tell you, I'm an opinionated sob. Yeah, opinions are good. <clears throat> we get we get old and crusty. We form opinions. Exactly. Steve, when you lay down to sleep, do you do your memories make you smile or do they trouble your sleep? I think you'd have to be human not for some of them to make you smile and some of them to trouble you. I mean, I've got bad memories. Yeah. We all do. We've all had, you know, I've seen, I've had friends shot in front of me. I've had, you know, I've seen people, I've had, I've held people's hand while they died. I held my mother's hand while she died in 2017 in a nursing, in the nursing home. You know, I, of course, I've got a lot of memories that make me smile. I've got some that make me sad. Yeah. I don't really think about stuff like that when I go to bed. My whole idea when I go to, when I'm going, getting ready to go to sleep is I'm going to sleep. I'm 60 years old. I sleep people. I nap. <laughs> if you see, if, if you see somebody over the age of 40 no. out after 9 PM, hundred percent guaranteed they had a nap this after, that afternoon. So yeah, um, sure. Some trouble me. Some, In some, yeah. some make me smile. Beautiful. Let's keep going. All right. Let's dig a little deeper here. Hmm. Have you received charity or help from another person recently? Yeah, actually, my daughter picked me up 150 bucks worth of groceries this month. Um, I'm on, I'm disabled due to lung cancer and uh, a really messed up back. And I lost a 38-year career as a chef because of that. And I applied for disability. I got it. But that is such a joke. Um 
They go back five years in your working career to determine your amount of dis your monthly disability benefit. So my question to every politician out there, you lousy fucks, I pay into that system all my life, yeah. Medicare, disability, and Social Security. So here's my question for you. Why then do you not use my whole working career to determine my monthly benefit amount instead of the past five years only? You guys get your salary for life, which Nancy Pelosi is not worth $235,000 now. She's not going to be worth, she's definitely not worth that after she fucking retires. Why are we giving these people salaries for life, health insurance and benefits for life, making them feel like they're elite and above us all when, gee, New York, you elected a bartender that doesn't even know the basics of fucking economics to the House of Representatives. Explain that to me. I get $927 a month for working all my life. Yeah, you know, and I've had people say, well, it's your fault you got cancer. You smoked for 20, you know, 45 years. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But when I started smoking, you could still smoke in a freaking hospital room. There were still ashtrays in cars, and there were smoking areas in, in restaurants, and all bars you could smoke in. And we were smoking on airplanes. And we were smoking, yeah. And we were, we smoking, were smoking on, on airplanes. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. And now, oh, it's my fault. Well, you know, cancer's genetic too, kids. Can be. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't get that. So, yeah, you know, my daughter helps me out. My son helps me out. There's a government who, you know, I spent 40 years working, paying my taxes, being a good American. Yeah? I'll okay. take it. That's a deep philosophical question. Are beliefs forged in the fire of challenge and doubt, or do the challenges change what it is we believe? So are beliefs forged in the fire of challenge and, and doubt? You know, is that where we come to what we believe, or, or do the challenges change what we believe? Yeah, it's a tough question. Comp it's a complicated question. Our beliefs forged in the fire of challenges and doubt. I think to a point in challenges and, you know, doubt, maybe salt. On, on, the, on the other way, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, or do challenges change? And I think challenges can change what we believe in. I mean... Um, you started off liberal, you're conservative. Yeah, I, you know... Um, I mean, that's an example. I, I like to think of myself more as, you know, in line with Bill Maher, I was more of a JFK liberal. Back when liberals were really liberals. You know, now they're now this they've got this progressive thing going on. And anyway, um, yeah, I think beliefs are formed not only in our challenges, but in what our parents instill in us. And then as mm. our challenges grow, we come into our own. Beautiful. And challenge, and of course, challenges cha can change what we believe. I mean, like you said, I was a, I, I used to be a liberal. Now I'm, 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 a cons I'm more of a conservative. I like to think of myself more as a free thinker. I don't like to put labels. Yeah, I, I, I don't like. I, to, I'm also. I don't like. I to hate label the labels. Myself, but yeah, I, I mean, labels. if you can't be challenged to change what you believe through either evidence or whatever. Mm than and definitely experience right yeah and experience, experience I mean, is you know, really... our, our experiences 
you know, and challenges grow, you know, growing up and even into adulthood and li just living life. Life's a challenge. It's a challenge for me to drive down the street and not want to slam into somebody because they can't drive. You know, it's a challenge for me to look at somebody in the grocery store who's going to really slow down the aisle and say, hey, would you get the fuck out of my way? I'd like to shop. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, I think so. Oh, keep going. So it's deep philosophical questions that make you wonder what the fuck am I doing here? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Okay, here we go. That's, that's a good one. Are you burdened by your past? No. The past is the past. Leave it there. I'm, you know, I, I think most people in my graduating class in high school would have told you that I wasn't going to live past the age of 30. I was too hardcore party and, you know, I was just, I was... Here I am 60 now. Yeah. Fuck all the haters. Yeah. But um no. Like I like I said in an earlier question, you can't be, you know, the past is the past. Yeah. Do I have regrets? Sure. We all do. Would I like to have done some things different? Yeah, I would have. But on the other hand, I can't let you know, learn from it, but I can't let it affect my present or my future negatively. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the past, you know, yeah, I did some stupid things. Yeah, I broke into a drugstore. Yeah, I stole all the Class A narcotics back in 1978. Yeah, I did, was sentenced to 20 years in prison, did three, got out, got over it. You know, there isn't a single fucking person back home in Tenasca, Washington, that would ever down me come down on me for that you know it's forgotten it's 40 years ago it's 40 years ago right you know yeah. i'm i'm not gonna worry about something that happened 40 years ago it's like yeah gee you know that guy beat me up in high school i think i'll go kick his ass no i'll go buy him a drink and you know we grew up We've grown <laughs> we grew up. up people people grow up. some people grow up some people don't the ones that don't grow up you leave behind because they're the ones that are going to drag you down but the ones that have grown up already and are with you on, in this journey, you know, this ride or die thing that we call life, hey, you know, continue on. Don't worry about the shit that happened 30, 40 years ago. I don't personally care what I don't personally care what you did 30 years ago unless it affects me negatively in the present or the future. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. I doesn't love go of. It's just, you know, these are great, great answers. I want, I want as many of them as I can get. <laughs> uh, I think the audience wants to hear as many as we can get. Let's see here. What do we got? <laughs> Is love an emotion? It's the ultimate emotion. Love will make you do stupid. Love, love is the only thing in the world that will make... You do stupid shit. Was love an emotion? Yes, it's the ultimate emotion. Love will make you do stupid shit that nothing, uh, nothing else will. Love will make you do stupid. People kill themselves over love, um, and that's that's highest level of of really. Yeah, that's the stupidest. Yeah, bloody damn thing you could do is kill yourself over love. I mean, come on. Um, 
Is it? Yeah, it's the ultimate emotion. That's all I got on that. Let's keep going. I think you you covered it. We we you know it'll make you it's it's the ultimate emotion. It'll make you do stupid shit. It'll make you do some really me. stupid shit. Restart this guy real quick. Camera going. This is good. This is comedy gold right here. Yeah, let's, what do we got next? I like this one. You're going to get a rant out of this one. Okay, here we go. Prepare yourselves, people. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get a, yeah, yeah, you're going to get a rant Steve, out of this one. Steve, he's even sitting up straight in his couch. <laughs> What's something you did for someone you feel good about? First of all, I am not going to answer that one because I don't like to blow my own horn. Okay. And that brings to, brings to, my mind one of the things that really pisses me the fuck off about the internet and i hope some of you people out there are listening to this that do this shit because you it pisses me off and honestly if i saw you on the street i'd probably pistol whip your ass if you were doing this i see these videos on facebook and on these reels and shit like this of these guys out there oh they give this homeless guy a hundred you know five hundred dollars and they're filming this you know what oh yeah fuck <clears throat> you oh man you can take a fine fuck at a rolling donut, and I hope you miss and land on your goddamn face. Why in the world do you think we, as especially someone as cultured as me, would want to watch you give a homeless guy $500 and blow your own fucking horn, huh? Really, come on now. Humility is a part of being, number one, an adult. And number two, humility is the number one essence of charity. You don't go out there and blow your own fucking horn about it. Oh, gee, look at me. I'm such a great guy because I just gave this homeless man $500 and filmed it so I can put it on the internet and on Facebook and make myself feel better about myself. Fuck off. It, that pisses me off. That's what, what the, Blowing your own horn about charity and giving something to somebody, you, you're supposed to do that to make I, yourself feel good. You know, to know that you did something good. You don't film it and put it on the internet and blow your own fucking horn. Like, look at what a righteous, self-righteous, look what a righteous person I am. I just gave a homeless man $500. Oh, yeah? Well, I just gave a homeless guy 20 bucks yesterday so he could go get a bottle. So what? I didn't film it and put it on the internet. I helped him drink it. But I didn't film it and put it on the fucking internet. Get over yourselves. You're nothing special. And it seems... It seems the it seems the universe is listening because it, it's asking a follow up question. Do you think everyone can be charitable, even the poor? <laughs> the poor. Oh, that's great. <laughs> what, a, what a great. I mean, that's the, universe the poor are the most charitable charitable in the world. If somebody has next to nothing, and they give you something, that's out of pure love. That's not out of wanting something out of it. They're giving you mm -hmm. something because it's. They're nice people, and it's in their nature. You know, the poor, as far as I'm concerned, are more charitable than, you know, the rich ever will be. I mean, what has Joel Olstein done for the poor? Let him, you know, paid him $5 to wash his fucking Ferrari? Come on, Joel. I'd love to debate that SOB. I just, I just, I'd, he's he's what? That's the debate we I, all want to see. I personally think that Joel Olstein in another life was a sleazy used car salesman and worked for Uncle Larry's used cars. Because he has that smile. He's got that, 
let me let me show you a, this great deal on this used 1982 Yugo that we have on the lot. Yugo. There, I don't think many of those are still. Uh, if you can find an 80, if anybody can find an 82 Yugo, please send us a photo. Yeah, exactly. I want to see that. You can reach me. I'll give you my email. Because I'm sure that one doesn't exist. Let's keep going. I, you know, I think on the charitable for poor, I, I, I really do agree. I think you find that the people that are that close to the edge really understand um, and really, and really know. I had a guy explain it to me this way. He said, I know what it's, I, I give to the, even though I'm not poor now. I know what it's like to be without, so that's why I give. Yeah. I think that's a real thing. Especially as a percentage of assets or a percentage of income, you'll you'll find that there are numbers so are. The universe has hit me again. Yeah, interesting. Well, you've got I mean, look, Steve, I think people will read in your bio a little bit more about your past. You know, may not all come out here. So you know, it is. This is a real question for you. If we don't let go of things, are we living in the past? And you kind of covered this, but I think you know. Is there anything to yeah, add? Yeah, I, I, I can answer this one really quick. Don't live in the don't live in the past. Learn from it. Yeah, and grow. Yeah, we've kind of covered. You know, you, you, that's, an, you answered this pretty broadly before. You know, if you if you, but if you can get let go of your past. And, and you know, if I can let go of my past, anybody good, can. Exactly, that's my point. You know, and especially you've got good stuff and 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 hard lessons. Um, and yeah, and some. I mean, I think some of your your journey's not easy. And you're a pretty present guy. This one's taking a nice hard read. You make a go of it. <clears throat> hmm. Okay, this one's going to hit home a little bit. How many days are there in your lifetime? As many as the universe allows me to have. You know, I, I, I saw a Chinese doctor interviewed once, read an interview with him, and he says, you know, the heart's only meant to go so many beats, and then it stops. So why go out and exercise and shorten that amount of time when you can go take a nap and live longer? You know, um, how many days are... I'm on borrowed time anyway. I know that. You know, I might be coming down to the end. Who knows? Um, so, you know, how many days are in your lifetime? I, I think that it doesn't really matter how many days you have in your lifetime. I think what really matters is how you make those days count. Um, I've had friends that have died unexpectedly from logging accidents, from, you know, different things. And you just got to... Yeah, it doesn't matter how many days you get, but how you make those days count. Did you did you give did you give enough? Did you love enough? Did you whatever? You know, it doesn't matter how many days you get. What matters is did you leave an impact? 
if you you know. Yeah. You were close to your last day. I in two thousand in February two thousand seventeen, they took out the right lobe of my the right lower bottom lobe of my right lung for lung cancer. Um, three months later, I was back in the hospital with bacterial meningitis and a sepsis infection in my blood. I was unconscious. They had to put a stent in my drill a hole in my head to release the pressure from my brain. I was running 106 temperature and I died twice in ICU. Uh, I've I've met my mortality and I can live with that. You know, but what was the question? Yeah, how many days left in your life yeah, or how much um, time? And so, I mean, you know, when you came out of that, I mean, you, you're dead. I woke, I woke up, my daughter, Laurel, I was bent, and my son, Dylan, were there. The hospital called them. This was in Spokane, and they, had, they came from Great Falls. The hospital called them because they thought it was bad enough that my children should be there. And uh, I came out of the coma with my daughter bending over, looking at me, going, it's going to be okay, Dad. And I had lost week i was blacked out and unconscious for a week so i don't i don't remember going to the hospital i don't remember my nephew brandon taking me to the hospital he literally saved my life i don't remember the ne- yeah so i'm comfortable with my own mortality but the question is you know like i said you know it doesn't matter how many days you've got it what matters is did you make an impact mm. did you were did you make an impact on somebody's life in a positive way or hell even a negative way you know there's going to be people when i die that say god damn i'm glad that asshole's gone maybe they didn't like me but i made an impact on their life still haters gonna hate Hmm. and i love haters because even though they don't like me i they're busy worrying about what i'm doing <laughs> you're living in their head rent Pitbull, free Pitbull says it best i love haters yeah they're spending money wondering what i'm doing and a lot of it is they're spending money on my products wondering what i'm doing let's keep going <laughs> i mean it's you've got a you've got an interesting an i think interesting the american life. dream is to make money off the people that hate us might be the only country I mean, where you can do that. I mean, I know a lot of people that hate Bill Gates. Yeah. But he's made a shit ton of money off them because hey, Microsoft is Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. They make power they make they make Microsoft PowerPoints about how they hate Bill Gates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate own. Yeah. I mean, you're really owning our asses. I do hate I hate Bill Gates. I hate Zuckerberg, but you know, they own my ass. Yep. Do you think you have, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. These questions are, I'd like to tell the jar in the universe, you're about one question behind. <laughs> you need to catch up. Do you think you have a hopeful heart? Oh, hell no. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Come on. I thought you yeah, definitely think, have a hopeful I think, heart. I think everybody does. Yeah. I, I, you know, except, well, people maybe like Charles Manson. Well, no, he was hopeful that he could start a race war. Absolutely. So no, Charlie had a hopeful, Charlie had a hopeful, had a hopeful heart. heart too. Um, yeah, I think we all do. I think do, we all hope. do we all have a hope? Does everybody you think inside? I, I think so. I think too. I, I think everybody does. I think a lot of people don't want to admit it, but I think everybody hopes for the best for everybody. A lot of a lot of well, you know, people like Hussein, Gaddafi, um, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. 
people like that don't. They don't hope the best for anybody but themselves. But I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people hope that, you know, I hope that my neighbor Dennis downstairs beats cancer. Hmm. I hope that my grandkids, you know, don't have to live in an apocalyptic world. You know, I hope that, you know, my buddy Eric who's coming over today from Hayden Lake, Idaho has a good trip. I think we've all got, we all have a hope. Everybody has, I think, a hopeful heart for somebody or for something. You know, I think, but in today's world, people are too afraid to show it. Vulnerable or afraid of being vulnerable or or just yeah. hardened? I, 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 you know, um, yeah, yeah, to, you know, I don't like being vulnerable. I don't like feeling vulnerable. I don't. I, I don't think anybody really does mm -hmm. to, 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 to a degree, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of, I think people want to hope and hope comes from the heart. It's not, hope, hope is not, uh, 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 something that, you know, comes from, I don't think it comes from your brain. Hope is, hope, hope comes from the heart. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. For me. Yeah, it, I think it is. I think it is. And I think that, um, we all have that. We all hope for certain things. And I think that hope generates from the heart. Beautiful. Yeah, shake that guy up. We're getting some good ones. Although, like I said, the jar is Mr. It's, it's, it feels like it's one question behind. Well, the universe and I have a great relationship. Yeah, it's clear. It's a love-hate relationship. Well, the jar likes you. It's clear. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing, nothing like a... The universe there is a God. This shit shows he has a sense of humor. He's got a sense of humor, I have to say. He, or she has a sense of humor. Is praying really seeking the truth? Is praying? <laughs> Just pray. No. Now, for some people that I met that are really, that what I consider genuine Christians, yeah, probably. Mm. But you know, in the in the 90s, we went through that name it, claim it philosophy, Creflo Dollar. You name that Cadillac, you pray for that Cadillac, you're going to get that Cadillac, son. Bullshit. Is praying, is praying, no, they're not seeking the truth. They're not seeking the no, truth. Um, no. Like I said, for a lot of faithful, real Christians, I would think yes. You know, it's like meditating. Okay. But if they're praying, asking for a Cadillac, you know, I see this shit on Facebook all the time. You know, um, just say amen and God is going to bless your life with money. My ass, God isn't going to bless, unless he's a counterfeiter, he ain't going to bless your life with any fucking money, people. He's going to give you, he, it, it, the way I understand it, he's going to give you the opportunity to go out and make the money. Okay. He's not going to just, you're not going to wake up like the tooth fairy and God put a thousand dollars under your fucking pillow. Oh, um, praying for the truth. I don't think anybody, I don't think enough people pray for the truth, seek the truth when they pray. I think they think, I think they, they think their God is up there to provide them with material things, you know, and I always thought that their God was there to provide them with peace of mind. That's faith. beautiful. Yeah. Because faith, faith, faith is belief in the, it, 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 in 
you know, what the unbelievable or whatever, you know, faith, faith, faith is believing something in something. Something you cannot touch, faith, right? Faith, 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 yeah, faith is something you can't touch. Faith is believing, you know, all these Christians have faith that Christ is going to come back. The Jews don't. They don't believe in, you know, I guess. I don't know. But um, that's faith. You know, for 2,000 years, they've been believing that he's going to come back. It's faith. That's real faith. Still hasn't shown his ass except on South Park. Did on South Park come back? That's right. He did come back on South Park. And everything that happens on South Park does happen in real life eventually. Exactly. So if it's been on South Park, it's but, actually going to happen. You know, what I liked about that one episode was when Jesus stood up and said, you know, you got it all wrong. <laughs> oh, you know, we got Westboro Baptist Church, you know. Oh, my gosh, oh so by the way, um, you can email me for their address so you can send your cat litter, use cat litter to them. But, yeah, um, let's keep going. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> but I do. I think that's a great articulation at the end, Steve. For all, all the all the fun aside, I, more people should be praying for the truth, uh, and I think that's or powerful. At seek, or at least seeking the truth. Yeah, it's powerful. There. Okay, we've got another another one for the sidebar. Yeah. It's okay. I had a I had a guest yesterday. He just pulled out a handful at a time and figured out which ones he liked. <laughs> so that was my. Uh, there's no rules to the jar, and I saw that. I said, "Oh, okay. That's a new, that's a new technique." <laughs> He's just stacking them up to figure out which one he liked. That was great. Who's the person you admire most because of how they treat people? My father. Okay. My dad was not my biological father. Um, my mom answered. Uh, Adam, the spokesman review in 1962, he was looking for a housekeeper because his wife had passed away in 59 and he had a 10-year-old daughter. So they moved up. She moved, took me and moved up there to Tenasket, Washington, 17 miles out of town. Dad was 33 years older than mom and they got married. But he was the most humble man I've ever known. Quiet. Dry sense of humor. And... Love it. 60s guy. He, he taught me to treat the C, the janitor the same way I treat the CEO. And I always have. You know, I don't cover up. I don't care if you're covering cow shit and smell like a barn or if you're wearing a $5,000 George Armani suit. I'm going to treat you both the same. If I think you're an asshole, I'm going to tell you you're an asshole. If I think you're great, I'm going to tell you you're, you're, you know, you're great. And, um, that's what I always admired about him was he got great respect from all the people back home because he gave great respect. Hmm. Something we could use a little more of today, yeah. right? That giving yeah. respect first. Yeah. He was a farmer. He was a rancher. He lost the farm in 66, had to sell it because... Oh. Lyndon Baines Johnson was a fucking idiot that didn't know how to govern a country and cost a lot of farmers in that time. And he ended up becoming the janitor, a, the, a custodian at the high, at the school district there in Tenasket. And everybody loved my dad. All the students loved him. He was a quiet, respectful man. And yeah. Love it. To all the custodians out there, 
here you are. 40 years later, most admired man. Yeah. He's... And losing your farm to become a custodian. I mean, as a man, that... That was a family farm. That was started in... That, my grandparents, his parents settled that place in 1910. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, they helped build Tanask <clears throat> at Washington. That's got to hurt. It's from a... That's got to hurt. Yeah, it did. It did. Can we find faith by learning to trust ourselves? Yeah. I grew up, I spent three of my formative years in the state penitentiary system in Washington State. And I learned to trust nobody but myself. And to a degree, I still don't trust a whole lot of people. You got to really work. If you're not my family, if you're not in my family or in my tribe or circle, you really got to work to earn my trust. And you got to work to earn my respect, too. Mm. Trust and respect are a two-way street. They're not just handed over. They're not just given. You got to earn it. And I'm a firm believer in that. You know, I'm not just going to give you my respect. You got to earn it. You got to sh- do something to show me that I need to re- that I should respect you. Mm-hmm. Same with, I'm not just going to trust you right off the bat. I don't know you. I've had people when I was when I used to I used to be what uh, <laughs> I jokingly referred to as an independent pharmaceutical representative. <laughs> and I can imagine, you know, bring somebody to my Un- house unlicensed, unlicensed, just to bring be clear. To my house, I don't know. Fuck you, I don't know you. I'm not gonna trust. I don't trust. I don't trust you. You can trust me, fellow. No, I can't. I don't know you. Prove I can trust. Show me first. First, you show me I can trust you. Then I might. So, trust is a trust is a two way street, and it's not given; it's earned. And my dad used to say there's only one group of people that you can't really trust at all, and that's politicians. Do I trust anybody? Do I trust any politician? No. Yeah, it's sad. Do I trust cops? Yeah, I trust law enforcement. As a general rule, I think, think, you know, you can, right? They've been demonized over the last number of years. But, you know... This one's going to get me in trouble. Um, If your kid's not out there running around with the gun in the street, you know, parents, I don't care what color you are, black, white, yellow, purple, green, alien, whatever. Teach your kids to respect the law. If a police officer says stop and drop, you stop. You get down on your knees, you interlace your hands, lock your hands behind your head, and you crash your goddamn ankles. And then when the police officer feels safe, they'll probably let you up. But what you running for unless you committed a crime? Yeah, we lose. I think that that's a tough job to do when when we lose all respect for them. And then it's very difficult for them to do their job. I've had law enforcement in my family. My, My brother, Mike. Retired after a 31-year career on the Charlotte, North Carolina police force. Police officers and soldiers are the only people, and firefighters, are the only people that leave their house in the morning with that thought in the back of their head, am I coming home tonight? 
And I mean, maybe criminals do too. Gee, am I coming home tonight after I robbed that liquor store? Or am I going to get shot down? Well, if you don't commit the crime, then you've got the police, have no, yeah. the police have no reason to talk to you. But if you don't teach your kids to respect law enforcement, if you, if, if you're African, I don't use the term African-American. You ain't never been to Africa. You, or you didn't come here from Africa. You're not an African-American. All right. You're a fucking American. Same with Mexican-American, Asian-American. I don't label. I don't label people. You been to Africa? Yeah, you might be African American then, but and this repatriation thing—you ain't picked no cotton, and I didn't own no slaves. So get over yourselves. Teach your kids some respect. Black on black crime is the highest it's ever been in this country, and you're blaming white police officers for what your people are doing in Chicago. Look at Chicago. Look at all the deaths in Chicago. How many of those are black on black crime? I've got a lot of black friends. I do. I am not a racist. I've been called one because I call think I, I, I tell it like it is. But all the black on black crime and you want to blame white police officers for killing your people and you want money because 200 years ago, some white guys owned some slaves. First slave owner in this country was black. And there's still slavery going on in the world. Still a lot of slavery in the world. You know, yeah. So that's my take on that. Let's keep going. All right. We're going to have to rate this. I don't know what's past M. We're going to have to say what's more that's for mature uh, mature audiences and mature minds. Um, <laughs> I don't I mean, know how mature my mind is. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Well, <coughs> yours may not be mature, but people listening to this definitely have to have a stable. <laughs> I still laugh when the ketchup, bo ketchup bottle makes a fart noise, so I don't know how mature it is. <laughs> we, all, we all love that. Are you looking for love? Fuck no. Love is overrated. You know, I thought at one time I was looking for love like my parents had. My mom was 33 young years younger than my father, but they were married for 40 years. And you're not going to find a love like that, I don't think. You know, and if you find one like that to, in today's world, you're awful damn lucky. Am I looking for love? No. I have been single for since my divorce in 2000. I've had some girlfriends here and there, but it's come to my attention that I make a lousy roommate. And at this point in my life, at 60, having been single with, you know, dating here and there over 20 years, I'm just set in my ways. I, if I want to, this is, and this is something that my second wife didn't understand really. When I want to go hunting and fishing, I go hunting and fishing. I don't care what you think. I'm going. I'm putting meat in, meat in the freezer. You know? Um, so, no, I'm not looking for love. I think a lot of people are. And I think that gets a lot of people into trouble because they'll jump at the first thing they see they think is love. Yeah. Any advice for, for people that are? I mean, you stop it. Just stop. Let it quit looking. All these dating apps, Tinder, all this crap. Why in the world would you think that it's a good idea to meet somebody off the internet or, oh, I love you, Tell, you know, after an internet relationship of four or five, please. As uh, my friend Tyrone 
would say, Negro, please give it up. Mm. People are, if, if people weren't so desperate and so afraid of being alone, there would be no reason for all these dating apps yeah. like Match and all, the, all this crap. They're, you know, let it happen naturally. Quit looking for it. The best, the best relationships I've had are the ones that are least expected. When I met my first wife, Teresa, we were both going to Spokane Falls Community College, or Spokane Community College. This was in 1983. And we just bumped into each other. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, don't I know you? Yeah, I've seen you. I've, yeah, I think we've got a class together. Hey, you want to go smoke a joint? Sure. And that was that. It was like kind of like love at first sight. So, you know, um, quit looking for it. Your desperation does not look good on you, America, especially you 45 and 50-year-old women that are, can't be alone. It, desperation does not look good on you. I mean, MILF, no, Barfly, probably. You know, I... I Love. <laughs> I love it. Let's keep going. Love is an illusion. Love is an illusion. It's like racism. Racism is a hologram used to keep us in line. Really. Ralphie oh, May said that. Well, see, <laughs> there's no boring question with you so far. <laughs> Holy cow. Do you ever think about how people see your treatment of them? <sighs> hmm. Wow. Um, sometimes. I try to treat everybody the same. You know, if I think you're an asshole, I'm going to tell you you're an asshole. If I think you're a good person, I'm going to tell you I think you're a good person. You know, um, probably to a point. I mean, I've treated some people horribly. I have. And when I look back on it, Probably shouldn't have, but on the other hand, you know, if I treat you, if I'm mean to you, you probably deserve it. If I'm nice to you, you might not deserve it, but you haven't done anything to piss me off. You know, I just try to treat everybody the same. I like it. You know, I like it. Um, too many people. Are illusionists. They only let us see what we want us, what they want us to see. Illusionists. And it's really amazing. With me, what you see is what you get. I am confident enough in myself that I don't give a fuck if you don't like me or not. I really don't. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you don't. So that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, I think you know. It's, wow. <clears throat> You're getting some. You're getting this some really good synchronicity with your your background. Can someone really become a better person, or is the die cast? I think some people can. Can Ted Bundy? Could Ted Bundy have become a better person? No. Could Charles Manson? No. Could the could the um, could Son of Sam? Could David Hinckley, that that son of a bitch that killed John Lennon? No. But if you're not a psychopath, a sociopath, or just genuine asshole 
anybody, can a leopard change their spots? A leopard can't because, well, it's against nature. But can a person change? Yeah, people can change. I've changed. I'm not the, I'm not say, the, I'm not yeah. the same asshole I was four minutes ago, much less 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I had just become divorced, and all I was worried about was chasing split tail and getting drunk. I've changed since then. You know, um, everybody can change. The die's not cast. I mean, look at look at alcoholics. I've known people that have been sober over 50 years. And did they change? Yes, they did. Oof. They changed. I've known drug addicts, you know, that were putting six, $700,000 worth of heroin into their arm a, day, a week. And they've changed. So, yeah, the die's not cast. The question is, do you want to change? Not can you, it's do you want to. Mm. Yeah, I can change my attitude about a lot of things. Do I want to? No. That's just because that's the way I am. It's what I think. It's the way I am. You know, um, example, Joe Biden will always be a pedophile in my, in my book. You don't sniff children unless you're checking a baby's diaper to see if he crapped. That's the only time you ever sniff a kid. Hmm. I've done some. I've done my share of diaper sniffing. Yeah, so have I. I'm a pretty good, pretty good expert at it. Changed a few diapers in my day. Probably got a few more in my grandpa future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not totally out of the woods yet. Yeah. I'm not out of the woods yet. Can you say I love you to someone right now? I could to my kids or my grandkids. Yeah, but I think that those three words get us in more trouble than any other three words in the English language. Because let's face it, let's face it. Okay, ladies, you're, you're going to agree with me on this one now. <laughs> how many, I got a, a question for the ladies. Okay. Ladies, how many guys have tried, have told you they love you to try and get in your pants? Men are dogs. We'll use that. To, we'll use I love you just to get the pussy. You know, I know that for a fact. I've done it. Oh, I love you. I told a girl I was 18 in college. I told her I loved her just to get her in bed. I mean, come on. Love shouldn't be a subjective term like that. I mean, it's the ultimate emotion. We started with love, right? Yeah. We're, you know, and if you don't mean it, for God's sakes, don't say it. You know, I can my grand my my grandson John, my oldest grandson John, who's driving now. God help us. Now he's a good driver. He is. But uh, you know, every time I talk to him, okay, I love you, Grandpa. Bye. You know, it's a given. I know my grandkids love me, but it's nice to hear it. You know, it's nice to hear it, right? When it's you nice, know it's, it's when you know it's coming from a real place. Yeah, it's, it's nice to it's feel loved. It's, nice. it's nice to hear it. It's nice to feel loved, but. People are too loose with the term anymore. What does karma mean to you? It's a bet dish best served cold. You know, I used I I, I used to think uh, I'd talk about karma, that it was the universe getting even for me. You know, 
And now, nah, you know, it's a great concept, but I think karma is based off that for every reaction, you get a opposite reaction. So if I, if I cut somebody off, I'm going to eventually, somebody's going to cut me off. Those are just the odds. You know, that's playing the odds. I'll cut somebody off in traffic. Eventually, somebody's going to cut me off in traffic. Is that karma? No, it's the odds. On the other hand, mm. I, I don't I don't prescribe to the, well, there's this great cosmic force that if you fuck somebody over, you're going to get fucked over. I think it's just, you know, the odds of the playing the game. Yeah, it's an interesting, I, I think that's a, something for people to ponder to because it is a reality right there you are i and i do look at karma as a net you know as the zero sum game in the universe for every action there's that opposite and so every you know the math equation a giant math equation it always comes to zero exactly or an absolute value and odds are like that generally exactly yeah quite interesting all right interesting view that's a new one for me on karma i have I got to put that in my pipe and smoke it a bit. <laughs> kind of understand what that means to my view of karma. Is it really just a math game? I hope it's not that. I hope it's not that simple. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no shit. Where does acceptance begin? In the heart. Hmm. Yeah, you know, acceptance is a funny thing. It's a strange thing. It's almost like a reputation. You know, can you accept me because of my reputation? No, but I can accept you as a person. My reputation is my person. So is it an emotion if it begins in the heart? I don't, just that's questions comes to my mind. No, I don't think so. Um, Acceptance, I think is, I think it more begins in the brain. I was okay with the gay community. I have gay friends. I do, literally. I have, I have cross-dresser friends in Spokane that play at this cross that, that do this review at the in yeah, Belltown and yeah, yeah, drag shows. Yeah, you know. So don't ever cut, tell me I'm homophobic because I'll slap the fuck out of you. But men do not belong biologically. Men do not belong in women's sports. That's just that's cheating. I'm a Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk on that one. Men, biological men in women's sports is cheating. That guy, that guy that's, that it that swam. No, 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 no. So, no, I don't have to accept that. Do I have to accept the fact that you're gay? Not really. I don't have to. Do I have to accept the fact that you might be black, Mexican, Asian? Yes. Because that's a biological fact. Mm. Acceptance is a, acceptance is acceptance is a is a is a funny animal because there are so many things. Actually, I don't have to accept anything when you think about it. You don't have to accept anything. Is it approval or acceptance? Because I mean, there's a difference, right? There is, there is some fine line. I think there's there, a fine, broad yeah, there's line. a fine line there between be approval line. and acceptance. It's probably a thicker line. Do I approve of your lifestyle? No. Do I accept it? No. But you're my friend, so I accept you. Hmm. You know, okay. Okay. You got to look past. 
the gay. You got to look past the other stuff like that and just look at the person, the inner person. The labels we have, right? Back yeah, we label labels. everything. Mexican-American, Black, African-American, Asian-American, gay-American, transsexual-American, this American, that American. What the fuck? We're just all Americans. You know, I was okay. I And I never had a problem with the gay movement. Harvey Milk was a friend of mine. So I've never had a problem with the gay movement. Never. Until... They started forcing it down my damn throat. I never had a problem with, you know, trans, trans whatever. I never had a problem, like I said, with gay whatever until they started shoving it down my throat. Why do they have to have a gay rights parade in New York, or why did they have to let the gay rights people march with the St. Patty's Day parade people in in Boston, New York, and Chicago? Huh? They don't have no. That's not what that's about. That's about being Irish American, or whatever. It's not about being gay American. And I was okay. Like I said, I was okay until they started shoving it down my throat, and I was okay until they decided they had to teach it to my five year old granddaughter or my six year old grandson. You know, um, when I was in school. We had two gay teachers, but we didn't know about their lifestyle. Yeah, but we, we didn't knew care. Yeah, we knew they were gay, but that's, yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's I didn't, their business. When I was in fifth grade, I didn't <clears throat> give a rat's fucking ass what my fifth grade teacher and his wife were doing in their bedroom. Why should my granddaughter now? Hmm. Kids need to be kids. Thank God my parents didn't let me change choose my sexuality when I was eating wheat paste and swallowing bubble gum and, and playing <laughs> in mud. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I think of how I was, yeah. Acceptance, I can accept anything. The question is, do I have to or do I want to? Hmm. It's like being offended. Oh, I'm offended by that. So? But I don't have to accept anything. It's like I don't accept the guy in DC, in DC and the presidents. What did your parents teach you? Well, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no question that Steve's got at least a view on everything. Oh yeah, I've got an opinion I, about everything. Whether I, it's right, who knows? Well, it's your opinion and it's your story, and it's part of the fabric of what we're doing. I, I, you know, to touch on what you you just talked about. I think the tribalism and the micro tribalism is something that is interesting to watch. Uh, That's what's killing America. And and I f it's you know we the more we divide ourselves up into little micro units, the the more we forget you know it's it's why we look at the flag and so many people are offended now by the flag. You know, well, because, as far as I'm concerned, know, if you're offended sliced. by the flag, get the fuck on out of this country. And don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. It's like this. Um, that's like this. Um, these these multi million dollar a year athletes taking a knee during the national anthem. You know, Colin Kaepernick. Colin, listen to me. You're dumb. You're stupid. You protested the Betsy Ross Nike tennis shoe. Colin, you know Betsy Ross was an abolitionist. She helped lots of slaves escape slavery. Colin, 
go back to school, please. He went to the wrong college. Who goes to college in Las Vegas? Hmm. She can't get into Stanford. Yeah. That's why I went to South Carolina. Back at the time, that was place I could get in. That's why now, I went to Washington State University instead of the U of Dub. The, yeah. the Asian students had already screwed up the grade curve at the U yeah, they, so I couldn't get in. It's all right. I screwed up my own grade curve. Well, yeah, I did that too. <laughs> in high school, I screwed up my own grade curve. I did, I did that too. Uh, we're the good one, Steve. Um, are we a good time? I think let's make this the last question because okay. it's it's quite a good one. Um, it's been really interesting. So we'll do this question. Uh, maybe I'll have a little bit of a short, my own short views, and then I'd love to get your kind of closing thoughts okay. for the audience and just the show, and you know your message to to people listening to you. Sure. What does forgiveness mean to you? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I, that's why I think it's a great wrap up because for you, it's you know what is forgive forgiveness to me really means giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, hmm. I like it's, that. You know, um, my faith and just about all the faiths out there teach you to forgive and forget. Hmm. Well, like I said earlier, I don't have Alzheimer's and I'm not Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, and, you know, forgiveness isn't so much for the person that you're forgiving, it's for you. Forgiveness lightens your load. Doesn't lighten their load. I don't. I don't care if they're happy that I forgave them or not. And a lot of times, I won't. I won't tell you if I forgive you. I'll let you go through the rest of your fucking life worried about whether I do or not. That's the great thing about forgiveness. You don't have to tell people you forgive them, and they. And if they've done you really dirty, they will go the rest of their life looking over their shoulder, wondering, "Did he forgive me, or is he coming after me?" Well, especially when you said it's about yourself, right? Yeah. Forgiveness is about forgiveness the other a, person. Forgiveness it's, is about me, not the other. It's about you. Right. It's not about the person you're forgiving. It never has been. Christ was, wasn't forgiving people to make himself feel better. He was forgiving people. Because that's the kind of person he was. Now, was he the son of God? Don't know, don't care. Really, don't. Thing I like best about him? The water and the wine thing. And, you know, hey, pot, my dad gave us that. You know, um, that's, yeah. Um, for, like, a, I'm a firm believer in giving forgiveness when it's needed. And even sometimes, you know, and not that it's needed by me. I don't feel, I, you know, not that forgiveness is needed by me, but the person that I'm forgiving needs that forgiveness. Mm. You know, some people are genuinely sorry for things they do. Um, I'm sorry for some of the things I've done over my lifetime. Have people forgiven me? Fuck, I don't know. Do I care? At this point in my life, not really. Forgiveness, people forgiving me isn't a big deal to me. Don't forgive me. I don't care. I didn't stab you in the back. I know that. If I'm going to stab you, I'm going to stab you to your face. You know, I... I um, Anyone that you've had to forgive for yourself? Anything that someone's done or or said that was hard for you to, to do that for yourself? Because you're still forgiving them in your own mind. Yeah. There's still that act. Um, 
So even though it's, I know it's for ourselves, it still requires us to release that burden. Anybody? Any? Not anymore, really. You know, um, people have done me wrong or dirty in the past, business deals, whatever. Um, a lot of them I forgot. They're just not important to me. Um, my ex-wife down in Portland, was in Portland, or Vancouver, one of the two down there. You know, I had I held a lot of animosity in my heart for her yeah. for a while. Right. Um, especially because I thought I, I, after we separated, you know, and divorced, I thought she kind of used me because I still had feelings for her. She used me to help her get moved to Portland and, you know, all this crap. Anyway, yeah, you know, I forgive her. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of people in my life I've had really had to forgive for anything because I've been fortunate in my life. You know, most of the people that I've been, been involved with have honor. You know, they, you know, I, I rode with I rode with a motorcycle club when I got out of prison. And I learned about honor and respect from them. More about honor and respect. Yeah. And um Forgiveness is a another one of those tricky animals where, like I said, it's more for me than it is for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't have a whole lot of people to forgive anymore. There's, you know, I've lived a pretty solitary and quiet life over the last, well, since I moved here in 2004. I enjoy my peace. Um, I enjoy my solitude. The lockdown almost made me feral, but um, I do. I like you know. It's it's better for me to not get into situations where I have to forgive people because that fucks with my peace of mind. Yep, and my solitude. I'm a big believer in serenity. I'm a big believer in doing what makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And, you know, if I want to get high, I like drugs. I like recreational drugs. Not just, you know, if I want to get high and I'm not hurting anybody, what business is it of the governments? Hmm. Or what business is it of my neighbor? You know, I'm, I'm hoping that we see the day here eventually, because I've, I've been a cannabis advocate for a lot of years. And I'm hoping that we eventually get to the day here we see the day that i i mean i've already seen marijuana legalized recreationally and medicinally in a lot of you know yeah, it's, states for guys and, like you and i it's a real miracle that's and, happened in my lifetime i mean i <clears throat> went back home to tenasca last summer with my daughter and her family and i got to and i walked into a dispensary in my hometown in tenasca, <laughs> crazy right and bought legal pot right wow you know, it was great but i'm hoping that the day does come that smoking a joint is accepted as much going oh, i'm gonna go home and smoke a joint okay i'm gonna go have a glass of wine that's what i want to see i want to see a level playing field there because we all know that five drunk guys will start a fight five stone guys will start a band yeah we're we'll order a pizza yeah and then lose our lighter and forget we got the pizza and have to go buy some more smoke then get a lighter and you know the agony goes on and on people it's not easy being a full-time stoner yeah so um 
Yeah. Um, hey, Steve. It, they want you to be quick to forgive mm. and quick to forget. No, I don't forget. I uh, a friend. I saw. I watched one of my favorite movies. Is Queen of the Damned because I'm a Stuart Townsend fan. Ilya wasn't bad either, but um, he said, you know, Stuart Townsend in that movie tells a guy who asks him, are you still holding a grudge? And Stuart says, vampires don't hold grudges. We harbor them. I don't hold grudges. I harbor them. I don't forget. Will I get even? That's for you to wonder about. You know, um, probably not. Probably won't. That's getting even doesn't change anything. No. You know, it's like when my wife Teresa was killed, she was riding with the guy, taking her step her son, my stepson, up to his dad's place. His dad was the national road captain for the Ghost Riders Motorcycle Club in Spokane. And um the guy she was riding with uh, blew an intersection and T boned a camper in a 69 Dodge van, and they're not very structurally sound anyway. Did I want to kill him? Yeah. Could I have? Yeah. Would somebody in the club have done it for me? Sure. What good's it going to do? It's not going to bring her back, and he's mm. got to live with the fact that he killed his friend's wife. That's more agony than, you know, why let him have it easy? Or not. Or not. You know, I wasn't going to let him out. I wasn't going to let him out of DC. Yeah. I wanted him to go through the rest of his life remembering that he killed his best friend's girlfriend, wife. And he somehow disappeared anyway. So, you know, people disappear all the time. Happens. Yeah. Steve, an hour and a half of unabashed 60 years of experience and, and life views and for all the people that will be shocked and some of your views, there'll be a lot of people who nod their heads and you've definitely got some pearls of wisdom well, there, I, buried I, in the 90 minutes. I have a feeling there's going to be some people out there listening. They're going to say, God, what a Trumpian. That's right. Go Trump. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're about the farthest thing I would ever, I would ever, I wouldn't see you standing on the street corner and, and think you were a Trump fan. <laughs> you know, it just shows you that, you know, I think that, that we don't know what, People are thinking we can't judge any book by its cover. Um, I'm learning this on the road, traveling, these, you know, having discussions, listening to people like yourself and your journey. I mean, your journey is, you know, how you got to this place, uh, you know, it's part of the fabric of your life. And, and here you are. This is your big quilt. Yeah. This is your big quilt. It's all a, a patchwork <coughs> of, of life experiences. Uh, again, really appreciate your time and appreciate your views and willingness to come on the show and support us. Any, you know, chance to just give some closing comments, thoughts on on the experience, thoughts on you know, anything you want to leave you didn't say, you know, kind of a free a free hand at the close. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I'll be list, I'll be listening to you guys and maybe we can do it again sometime. But uh you know, I've survived cancer, lung cancer liver cancer, lung cancer, and now I'm fighting lung cancer again, and I have Parkinson's. And if, if, if there's 
anything I've, I guess, learned over the last 60 years of my time on this marble is expect the unexpected, revel in it, learn to dance in the rain and enjoy the storm. You know, all this sounds trifle, but trite, but you know, um, it's real you gotta, life. You, you got to enjoy life. You know, we're not supposed we're we're not supposed to go quietly into that box in the dirt. You're supposed to slide in on a motorcycle, going, man, that was a hell of a fucking ride. And you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on in this country right now. You know, nobody's happy with Biden and Kamala. I don't blame them. Um, a lot of people, I think, even liberals are missing mean tweets and dollar eighty seven gas. I know I am. Um, people talk about civil war and you know this stuff, but I want you. I want if I can leave you with one thought is you know what the politicians and the elite of this country really, really are afraid of is black, white, red, and yellow getting together and standing up for each other. So if we can stand up, you know, and. There were probably some people that got pissed when I said, you know, I don't put labels on people, African-American, you know, I don't. We're people. We all bleed red. I've seen black people shot, Mexicans shot, Asians shot, white people shot. All the blood I've seen come out of them is red. Still red. You know, I've never seen an Asian man bleed yellow and I've never seen a black man bleed black. So get over yourselves. You're not special just because you might have different skin color. And... Pull your, just get your shit together, America. I'm tired of it. You know, if there ever is a civil war, I'll go out, go out covered in somebody's blood, screaming just like it came into this world. I got no problems with that. You know, defend what's yours. Stand up for what's right. You know, don't. Most of all, don't let the man get you down. And listen to more Grateful Dead. You'll be a lot happier. Well, I can subscribe to those last two comments for 100%. Don't let the man get you down and listen to more Jerry Garcia or Robert Hunter. You know, the, the lyrics are beautiful. Steve, again, you know, great words of wisdom. Uh, another viewpoint to put into our quilt as we do this across the country. You know, you're part of the 444 and you'll be a piece of it. You'll be a piece of it. And I think people will be surprised as we go. There'll be a lot more common uh, from what you said than people may realize. And the commonality will come across person by person, no matter what their background is. Oh, yeah. And and that's the beautiful part. You'll have your your, your views, which people won't find that they like, they, they get behind. And you know, a lot of what you said is people, the human part is the part where people will find the commonality. And, and I think we want to show how much more we have in common that we have differences and the commonalities around the important things and the differences are, are, are tribal and trivial. And I, and I hope we find that across the country. And I want to thank you again. Uh, thank the audience for listening. Yeah. Thanks you guys for listening and putting up with me. If I offended anybody, Hey, give me time. I'll offend all of you. <laughs> I had a, I had somehow I had a feeling an apology wasn't coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Um, Never apologize as a sign of weakness unless it's to your wife or your children or your family. 
Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Make the most of your today, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar. If you would like to be one of our guests, please email thejarguest at gmail.com or follow our journey on your favorite social media platforms. See you all on the road.